Is blockchain the future of the supply chain? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, managing editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain podcast. Blockchain was invented to support the acquisition and trading of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, but it seems tailor-made for the supply chain. After all, it's been touted as a secure, immutable system of record for transactions involving multiple partners, and what could be a more appropriate candidate for that than global supply chains? It's no surprise that blockchain has rapidly emerged from the dark world of cryptocurrencies to offer businesses an invaluable tool for managing their everyday affairs. Today we're going to learn about how blockchain can be applied to supply chains. Our guide is Jack Shaw, executive director of the American Blockchain Council. First, he'll explain what blockchain is. We're not yet past the need for a basic definition. Then we'll move on to a discussion of how distributed ledger technology can transform supply chains and provide them with an unprecedented level of security, convenience, and efficiency. Turns out blockchain and supply chains have something in common, Shaw tells us. They're both team sports. So here is my conversation with Jack Shaw. Jack Shaw, welcome to the show. It's my pleasure, Bob. Nice to talk with you. Now, Jack, one of the signs that a concept has truly arrived is that it gets its own council. And (laughs) here we are with the American Blockchain Council. Does that mean to you that blockchain truly has arrived as a thing? Well, I think that's one of the indicators, certainly. And there are many councils, both in the United States and around the world, that are promoting the adoption of blockchain technologies in various ways. I also think that another key indicator that a major technology has arrived is when it has started to get significant recognition in the broader business press. For example, in early September, Fortune magazine cover article was on blockchain Mm -hmm. technology and how it's transforming business. And so that kind of exposure and awareness, I also think, helps to drive it. What about the council itself? When was it formed? We formed uh, not quite two years ago, early 2016. And the purpose of the American Blockchain Council is to help senior level executives understand the strategic business implications of blockchain technologies. There's plenty of people out there who can get way down into the weeds on the technical implementation of blockchain. And for those people that are trying to do that right now, that's useful information. But for senior executive decision makers, they need to understand how is this going to impact my business, my industry, our strategy, and for your listeners with a particular perspective of how it's going to impact supply chain. Two years ago, that was pretty much the dawn of the concept, and you guys got in on it early. Back then, was it largely connected to cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and the like? Only in the last couple of years, it seems like it's kind of spread its wings and moved away from that. 
that's a pretty fair assessment. The original white paper was written in fall of 2008, nine years ago last month, and the first transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain took place in the year 2009. But notwithstanding that, most people didn't hear of blockchain or even of Bitcoin for at least two or three years after that. And again, you're absolutely correct. Bitcoin and other digital currencies that began to emerge in the 2012, 13, 14 timeframe were the primary focus at that time. At the same time, it was about at that point in time, about three to five years ago, that people began to recognize that blockchain could be used for other important digital information. In particular, over the last couple of years, we've now seen an explosion of interest in that, starting yeah. starting in about 2015. I look forward to the day when we can have a discussion about blockchain that does not begin with the question, what is blockchain? Now, <laughs> some of the de definitions we've heard, it is a distributed ledger. It is a trusted system of record for transactions between business. All that sounds good to me, but... Help us understand, maybe for the last time, what actual form <laughs> blockchain takes. Is it an app you download? Is it a website? Where do you post these transactions? What is blockchain physically that allows it to be this distributed ledger? Blockchains, which technically speaking are a subset of what's more broadly called distributed ledger technology, but the term blockchain is somewhat been generically applied to a range of distributed ledger technologies. And let's talk first about what blockchain does, and then a little bit about how it does it to clarify it. Blockchain technologies allow you to do four very important things when you are sharing information among multiple entities, people, businesses, organizations, what have you. Those four things are that blockchain creates a permanent immutable, signed, and time-stamped record of identity, ownership, transactions, or contractual commitments. The second thing it does is it allows the entities participating in a given blockchain implementation to, according to the authority that each of them provides, to be able to see and for some of those people to, uh, or organizations, entities, to update that information very easily. Third, it provides the permanent record. It allows the information to be shared. It allows it to be easily seen and updated by those authorized to do so. And fourth, it mm -hmm. provides essentially unhackable security against those not authorized to update or even see that information. And of course, as soon as you say the word unhackable, people ask the question, well, can't any computer be hacked, right? And within limits, yes, that's true. However, that's why blockchain is not stored on any computer. It's stored on many computers. And that's why it's called distributed ledger technology. And what that means is that identical copies of the blockchain data are stored on multiple locations or nodes all over the Internet. Depending on the implementation, it can be anywhere from dozens to hundreds to thousands of nodes of information. So one of the reasons blockchain is so powerful and secure is that unlike hacking into, say, a major retailer's credit card database where if you hack into that one computer, you've got everything, in the case of blockchain, you would have to hack into all of those computers all over the world simultaneously. And that is, for all practical purposes, economically impossible. 
Okay, but what am I doing if I am actually adding to this permanent record? If I'm, I don't know if uploading is the proper word here. How do I get my information into that distributed record? That's an excellent point. So the way it works is it's going to be different if you're talking about an individual that's doing something perhaps through their mobile device, as opposed to a large organization that may have automated back office systems that are interacting with the blockchain. But in either case, whether it's an app running on your mobile device, whether it's an application software system running in the back office of a large organization, that will have an interface to the blockchain and it'll be done in such a way that it'll access one of the most readily available nodes for the particular blockchain implementation that that application is designed to support and that that person or organization is participating in or is a member of. And as soon as that information is updated on one node, it is then synchronized in a matter of minutes, if not seconds, to every other node on that copy of the blockchain. So that you have in the slowest case with the largest blockchain, the Bitcoin blockchain, which has some 7,000 nodes, they synchronize about every 10 minutes. On the other hand, there are many examples of permissioned blockchains with a limited number of members that are involved in them, and the synchronizations take place in, in seconds or even fractions of a second. But does it require the downloading of an application in order to do this? It requires you to be using an application that has been integrated to a blockchain implementation. Now, in the case of consumer applications, as those are starting to come onto the marketplace, what we'll see is existing applications at some point will simply add blockchain integration. And when you update the app on your mobile device, you'll have the blockchain integration capability in there. When you talk about large-scale back-office systems for large organizations, there it's probably going to entail the implementation of a upgrade to the software or an interface of some type. Again, that depends in part whether they've implemented whether that large organization is running it on their own premises or in the cloud. That kind of gets into the technical infrastructure side of the implementation. But yes, you can't just take an existing application and say, I want to get on the blockchain and without anything else, suddenly be using blockchain technology. Let's move to a discussion of supply chain, because there are so many key transactions <laughs> and so many partners in a global supply chain. It seems that that would be ripe for the application to blockchain. Tell me about some of the specific transactions and some of the places within the supply chain that are most open that would benefit the most from the use of blockchain. Well, you're exactly correct. You've got buyers, sellers, transportation carriers, logistics management companies, and then you've got special groups, uh, uh, customs clearing houses, and other kinds of entities, regulatory entities, and that sort of thing that are involved. And so by being able to allow those people within the rights and privileges that they would normally have to be able to access a common store of the latest version of the data, you have a lot of tremendous benefits. One of the first you have is in the area of provenance. What is the ultimate source of parts or materials that apply are being used within the supply chain. And there, if you look, for example, at manufacturing, in uh, for complex products like uh, automobiles and aircraft, you can get down five, six, seven tiers before you eventually are down to the extractive industries. How do you know that at some point, three or four or five tiers down, because somebody is covering up records and faking it, that you aren't actually buying from some sweatshop 
in a third world country that's employing slave labor or that you're not buying raw materials from an African warlord who's using the sales of those materials to fund terrorism activities and that sort of thing. And it's been a real challenge for global supply chains to have that information be accurate and up to date. Blockchain technology can greatly facilitate that by capturing the information as early in the process as possible and then having an immutable record to validate that nobody's been able to go in after the fact and uh, fake it to make it look good to their customers, customers, customers. Are there any challenges, though, involved in getting all of those tiers of the supply chain on board with the use of blockchain, especially when you get up to the, as you say, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever tier, way, way back? And sometimes those are very small organizations, small businesses. Is there any problem in getting them on board? Well, yeah, you're always going to have a certain amount of challenge in terms of technical efforts. And this isn't going to be like suddenly throw a switch and all the issues go away. It's going to be an evolutionary process uh, over the next, say, three to five years, and, and in some cases even maybe as long as 10 years. But what we will see and what we're starting to see in a few cases already, an example of this is uh, Walmart has been procuring a lot of pork from China. The vast majority of the pork that comes from China is just as properly raised and treated in the course from the farm to the slaughterhouse to the wholesalers to the distributors to the retail shelves as uh, pork that they might buy from U.S. or anywhere else. But unfortunately, there is a larger percentage of it that is not properly done from some other areas, and they've had a challenge with that. Now what they're able to do is they can track the source of their pork at any given retail store all the way back to the original farm it came from. Now, if a slaughterhouse or a farm that the pork is raised on says that they don't want to participate in providing this information that's going to confirm that they are complying with all the appropriate rules and regulations, that in itself should be a huge red flag. Certainly, some of the large participants in the desire to help facilitate this process are doing what various things that they can to make small operations be able to relatively more quickly and more easily participate in the blockchain. Again, in many cases, you snap a picture and you have an app on a phone and you upload that information as confirmation of the status of something at a point in time. And, and that can be the verification you need that it was being properly done. So there's no concern then about uh, maybe like the, the ultimate farm or, or the mine where something was actually produced, that that entity lacks the technological sophistication to participate. It sounds like really all you need is uh, maybe a laptop or a cell phone in order to play, right? Exactly. If they're that small, then that will certainly suffice for what they would need to be able to do to participate in the process. Area of provenance is one of the great applications of blockchain in supply chain, but there's a, there's a couple of others, and there's some longer-term opportunities that are very exciting. Well, give me a couple more examples within the area of supply chain. Sure. One of it is that basically a lot of the effort on the part of both buyers and sellers in supply chain management has to do with a huge amount of reconciliation going on. We've got to reconcile what was ordered to what was shipped, what was shipped to what was received, and it's international transactions. That's broken down into windows across various countries' borders and so forth. And there's this constant figuring out, should we accept this order? Is this the stuff we ordered? What's the right amount to pay for it? And do we have uh, quality testing effectively done and so forth? With 
blockchain technology, what's happening, instead of each of the participants having their own internal records that they're continually trying to reconcile to all of the other participants' records, you have a shared set of data out there. Every time something new happens, whatever participant is involved in making that next step happen updates the shared record that everybody can see. Now, let me clarify, that doesn't necessarily mean that every other supplier can see the price of every other product, but everyone involved, in other words, what their competitors are selling, what it means is that if supplier A is shipping using transportation carrier B to customer C, that supplier A, transportation carrier B, and customer C can all see what the status is at any particular point in time. And each are authorized to update that according to what makes sense for them to be able to update it. But there's never any issue of unauthorized parties within a supply chain getting access to information like that. It's only available to those who are involved in that specific transaction. That's exactly correct. And that's because of the extremely powerful technology within the supply chain. Now, in theory, an unauthorized party could hack into a not well-secured system that one of the other parties is using off the blockchain. So there's nothing about using blockchain technology that magically confers security on your own internal data. So if you're doing a lousy job of securing your data, somebody in theory could still hack into your computer system and change information in some way. Mm. But they can't change the information that's resident on the supply chain. Are we in need of standards of any kind to make blockchain work to its full potential? Yes, and that's what a lot of the work that's going on in the area of supply chain right now. There are many consortia working in a number of different industries looking at standards. And in this way, it's very strongly parallel to the efforts that took place going all the way back to the 1980s with the implementation of electronic data interchange. In those days, we talked about standard data formats. Now we're talking, we still have to have standards for such things as product or part or number uh, material uh, definitions, that sort of thing. We also have to agree, or at least we have to agree within a given business ecosystem that wants to implement a shared blockchain on what are the priorities? How are we going to use this information to reduce overall costs in that ecosystem, in that supply chain, supply network more broadly? to take out delays and errors from the process. It's not just throw a supply chain out there and everybody jump on and suddenly you have magical benefits. It's often referred to as a team sport. It's about the participants in a given supply chain ecosystem getting together and saying, how can we use this exciting new technology to be able to do things a lot more efficiently across the supply chain as a whole than we've been able to previously. And then we can all continue to compete with each other but at a much higher, more profitable level. But when it comes to standards, is it still a work in progress? In other words, they haven't been nailed down yet to the satisfaction of all parties. Oh, absolutely. The standards are continuing to evolve and will continue to evolve for some time, particularly as more advanced and sophisticated applications that take advantage of blockchain technology emerge. But it's not that is. Not a good reason for companies not to get started because the learning process, the strategic planning process, the processes around evolving your business strategy, your business model, your internal business processes to take advantage of how blockchain is likely to be used in two years and three years and five years uh, is something that you can't put off until you're ready to start using it. You have to begin that change management process 
right away. So assess for me, in your opinion, the state of blockchain in the supply chain today, as well as a possible timetable for when we'll get to a point where it's just the way of doing business for everybody in supply chain. It just becomes an everyday thing. First of all, I would say the state of it today is that leading companies are already beginning to work as members of consortia in various industries to participate in identifying and developing the areas of standardization that will allow those ecosystems to get the most benefits from blockchain. They're also beginning to test proofs of concept uh, on a small scale to test various aspects of implementing blockchain technologies. Much more broadly, the vast majority of companies are now undertaking the educational process, the strategic planning process. How do we see that this might impact us? Do we really understand the strategic business implications of blockchain technology and how it might impact our business and how we would want to adapt our company so that we could gain the maximum benefits from it while minimizing uh, the costs and shortcomings of implementing it? So we got, other than the laggards, most companies are now starting to move as they're understanding the need to do that. Now, I think what we will see is that by 2020, we're going to see widespread use of blockchain technology. We will be far from universal. But what that means is that we'll see at least some production activities underway using blockchain for supply chain. By 2025, I think we'll see it adopted by a majority of businesses on a pretty routine basis. Again, there'll still be holdouts. There's still companies out there that don't have websites yet 20, 25 years after the fact. And that may take a generation to get to the point where essentially everybody does. But one of the big differences between the progress we've made in, say, the last 20 years with the Internet and blockchain is we now have the Internet to use to share both knowledge and technical resources. And that's part of the reason why blockchain adoption is moving, I would say, three to five times faster than Internet adoption moved over the last 20 years. Well, I'm sorry to say that we're out of time, but that has been an excellent explanation for those of us who are not completely clear on what blockchain is and how it applies to the supply chain today. Thank you, Jack Shaw of the American Blockchain Council, for helping us to understand where we are and where we might be going with the concept of blockchain in supply chain. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, it's been absolutely my pleasure, and if you would like to follow up and dig into this a little deeper sometime, I'd enjoy doing that too, Bob. That was my conversation with Jack Shaw of the American Blockchain Council, talking about the application of blockchain to supply chains. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.